He's earned decades of Wall Street success, a lifelong student of the market who learned to navigate the world of finance with unshaking confidence, an underdog who achieved the American dream. Now the Fox Business host is sharing all his investing wisdom with you on Charles Payne's Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Fox Business correspondent Madison Allworth, to dive into some important lessons in my Unstoppable Prosperity book. She and I will tackle the three pillars of understanding the markets, your greatest barrier to investing in the stock market, and beating the market by investing in people, not just charts and graphs. Last episode, you got the chance to hear Charles' story, how hard work and determination can change your future for the better. Hustle is nothing without the knowledge and tools to reach your financial goals. I'm Madison Allworth, and today we're going to talk all about Charles' new book, Unstoppable Prosperity, and some of the strategies he's been using to beat the market for decades. Taking the plunge and investing your money can feel scary for many Americans who might not feel confident in the money markets. But today we're going to break down how you can get in the game, trust your instincts, and make some money along the way. Okay, Charles, let's get into it. I want to start first with the title because, man, Unstoppable Prosperity, that sounds like something that anyone could get behind. Uh, absolutely. And I think everyone should get behind it, uh, in part because it's an, a most amazing opportunity. The, the stock market itself, to me, is the greatest money-making machine in history. It really is. If you just look at, uh, you know, over the last 100 years, 200 years, you look at any 20-year time frame, it's always been up. Uh, and then within there, there have been some individual winners that really have been life-changing opportunities for people. And essentially, it's your chance to be part owner of any business that you want that's publicly traded. You can become part owner of it. and then, So if you think this is the greatest company in the world, become part owner of that company. I mean, when you say it, it sounds so simple. And that's why we, you know, we have this book here. When I talk to people, whether it's for the job or my friends in my personal circle about what I do, something that I hear all too often is, oh, I know I should really be investing. I know I should really be doing it. So how are you going to convince those investors, those future investors, that they shouldn't be waiting anymore, that the path to unstoppable prosperity is to just get in the market? You know, I think that's a great question at any time, but more relevant even now in this sort of FOMO, YOLO kind of environment where uh, fear of missing out, you only live once, those kind of things, like the immediacy of spending all of your money <laughs> right now. Uh, and it's interesting because our country wasn't always like that. People really did believe they would work 10 years and save a down payment for a house. And then they work another 10 years and save the have the down payment for their kids' college. And then the next 10 years would be for their retirement. You know, sort of, uh, they were on a schedule. Uh, and, and, you know, I always kind of joke that nowadays, if you own a business and you hire someone, they want a gold watch on the first day of work, not the retirement day. So I think that's part of it, that you have to sort of overcome the notion that life is long, and, and you want to make sure that you're enjoying the, the FOMO YOLO when you're 65, more so than even when you're 25. And because at 65, if you do it right, it's not just a flash in a pan. You didn't just go to Cancun for this summer and then there's something you talk about for the next 20 years. And remember back then, and especially you and your friends started getting older and older. Was that a couple years ago? No, that was 10 <laughs> years ago. 10 years and buy that fast? I'm still broke from that trip. You know, so there's a way of, of setting yourself up so these, these one-time YOLO FOMO adventures can become lifetime. We do it every year we go to Rome because we set ourselves up over a period of time. Uh, and so it's got to be a game plan that you buy into that, that encompasses 
a long life where you want to have more prosperity toward the end, not less. And these use your energy, use your youth, use your ideas. Pour that into your energies, into what you do for a living and what you do for your community. Uh, but don't pour it into vacations right now. Okay, I think that's such a good point to make your money work for you, right? And that's something you talk about in the book. But I want to get into, you know, obviously you have to read the whole book to get the full thing. But I get the, the pleasure of being able to sit down with you now. So that sounds great. Let's make the money work for us so that in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you're still living large. Right. But how does someone get on the path to unstoppable prosperity? What are the things, if someone is sitting on the sidelines, that they need to be thinking about right now so that they can start on this journey? You got to ditch uh, the, um, what would you call it when you hesitate to do things? Uh, when you when you put things off all the time. What, it's uh, a procrastination. procrastination. You've got to, <laughs> you've got to ditch procrastination. And there's always, always a good reason to procrastinate. I will, but Christmas is around the corner. I will, but, uh, you know, I got to buy the kids a backpack to go back to school. I will, but Valentine's Day is coming up. There's always a reason to procrastinate. Throw that in the garbage. First thing, right now, immediately open up an account. Okay. The second thing is immediately put money into it. The third thing is to pledge to yourself that this will not be a one-off event. Because ultimately, it's about sticking to it. Uh, and so a lot of people do those first three things, or at least they try, right? They, they open the account, they put some cash in. And the big mistake I find is that they give it a shot. Yeah. Give this thing a shot, see if it works. You know, I mean, think about anything that you've done in your life that you love doing now that the first time it didn't quite go as well as you thought, right? But you're glad you didn't give up on it. Just that's all I'm saying. A lot of people jump in the market. And they might buy something they heard at the water cooler, sounding pretty hip. They don't know what the company does, but it sounds groovy. They're going to make a lot of money. They buy it, and the stock goes down. And they sell it at a loss, and they, uh, it ain't for me. You know, another one is, uh, I'm bad luck. When I get in, Charles, you better get out. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, it's going to be a lifelong endeavor, right? So that's the main thing. Open up the account right now. It takes about 10 minutes. Go online, open up an account, and fund it right now. And then after that, be committed to funding it. But more important, the most important part of all of this, and, and you know, the, what I try my best in the book to do is to get people to understand that, it, that, that this journey is also a journey of knowledge. I'm a history buff, and that's one of the reasons I love the stock market. And whenever I study a company, I always start with the ethos of the company. I always start with the founding. I don't care if the company is 150 years old. I'll give you a company that uh, has been a big winner for me in my dividends lately, a company called Iron Mountain. They keep records and everything. So I went to study the company. <clears throat> it turns out that years ago, mushrooms were a big deal as a food. Like, people love mushrooms. So some guy bought these, uh, these mountains, uh, you know, in, in New York, up, upstate New York, and they were growing mushrooms inside of them, like, you know, these big hilly mountains. And mushrooms are huge. Then all of a sudden they weren't. Right? I wonder what happened, you know? Yeah. All of a sudden they fell out of favor. So all of a sudden these big cavernous, empty mountains upstate New York, they were no longer doing mushrooms. Well, then comes along World War II and, of course, the exodus of Jews from Europe. And a banker in lower Manhattan uh, was, you know, bringing in a lot of these, uh, these immigrants and they had no documentation. This stuff was stolen. He was like, we got to figure out a way that this never happens again. So he started saying, "Let me. I'm going to store your documents, but where do I do it? Those empty mountains upstate New York. No way. Iron Mountain. And when I read these stories, I, I fall in love with them. You know, the story of Mavado was a, was a Cuban kid in, in Cuba who 
actually got a taste of capitalism one time. He's working for his boss. His boss said, I need you to go get me an American radio. And he says, I'll give you, uh, you know, he says, uh, I'll give you uh, like a couple bucks, go get him. And so the boss got him and sold him for a profit. And he asked his boss, you know, can I get a buck or, you know, whatever. He got a little taste of it. Anyway, this guy was a, he was a critic of Castro. He loved Castro initially, but then he became a critic. And, you know, he was in trouble when Castro took over. And he was, he and his family were fleeing. So they're, they're you know, at the airport trying to get away. And they stop him, you know, and then a lot of people know he's a critic, but the guy who was in charge was one of his best friends and they let him get on a plane. Oh, wow. But his love of commerce at that point had been, you know, so, I mean, every, I just, you know, it's like one of these things, like it's a movie. If you do it right, these things can become a movie. They become inspirational. And then you learn about the ethos of these companies and why they've been so successful. And you want to have a piece of them. You want to own a piece of them. So, uh, you know, again, uh, it's, it's, it's not just about numbers. Like if you watch financial media, you'll think it's about the numbers, uh, all you see is numbers, right? You say, oh, you know, they missed by 2%. The stock is up by 12%, 42% people own it. Uh, you know, it's all percentages. It's all numbers. No. It's, it's a story. People. It's stories. In fact, learning about these CEOs is the most important thing. That's the make it or break it. If you have a fantastic CEO, the company's going to probably do okay. And I think that could be something that resonates with people that are maybe intimidated by the numbers. Like you said, if you watch the you know financial news or um, looking at, Earnings reports, numbers heavy, but the reality is the story right. and the people behind it. And I love in your book, um, you know, when you're talking about how you got into Wall Street and how you got into investing and there's all these jokes around, um, you know, how do you make a million dollars? You start with two million, <laughs> right, right. right? But you say greatest asset to make money isn't money or access, it's knowledge. But that's also in its own way intimidating. It takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of work. What do you use well, so that you know, okay, I'm like excited about this. I'm looking at the history of the company. How do you get jazzed about these investments? That's it. That's just it, though. I mean, it's a, you can look at it like, you know, some people hated school and some people love school. Social studies was my favorite subject, right, in, in grade school. You know, if you understanding the power of, the, of this knowledge and no one can take it from you. It's, it's such an invaluable. Um, but, you know, again, if it's intimidating to you to learn something, then you are going to have a hard time with this. Uh, but if it's something that you enjoy, because knowledge is power no matter what you do. And and the more you learn, see, my whole thing is I never, I'm not, you know, listen, no matter how long I do this, I want to be called a student of the market. In part because certain things do change, you know, certain things, there's certain things that stay the same, but then there are certain things that change. Like we've never had an environment with artificial intelligence. Yeah, this is the fourth industrial revolution. So we've been through three of them already. And some of the things are going to be the same. But some things will be strictly unique to where we are now. So let's learn about them, right? And, and you know, even like, so that's kind of fun. You know, it's, it's so I, it's just, and again, it's, you don't have to give yourself these big, crazy, necessary assignments, but you should always learn. For me, every time I read something, I end up going down a rabbit hole. Someone will quote someone, and it might be very small, but I'll want to know who who is this person they just quoted, <laughs> right? Or you know, some company saw this and that. I take the smallest nugget, and I usually go down that rabbit hole and discover so many things. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders, no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. 
I mean, I think that's great. And and look, you would be surprised, I think, to learn that Charles Payne, an investor who's beaten the market at least the last 12 years, favorite subject in school was social studies, not math, right? right. I think that that tells something about the market that should really open it up to more people. Um, and I want to touch on the three pillars, right? Because I want to beat the market for 12 years. Right. People that are picking up this book want to meet, <laughs> beat the market for 20 years. Um, you say your three pillars when you're looking at investments are fundamental, technical, and behavioral, that right. sentiment. Right. Kind of, can you walk me through sure. those? Sure. Fundamentals is, is essentially what we've kind of been talking about already, just the sort of factual stuff. Uh, XYZ makes this kind of a product, uh, and there's this size market. And this size market may grow over a certain period of time, and we think XYZ will grow a little bit faster than the overall market, which means they're taking market share. Uh, and then you want to make sure that the income statement uh, that there, you know, there are ways of using as a report card these quarterly re earnings reports. They call them earnings reports; they're really financial reports. Earnings are just one small part of. It. In fact, the earnings part of it is the part that's most manipulated because that's at the bottom of the income statement. Uh, you know, it begins with the revenue. And then that begins with whether it's organic or not. Uh, because, for instance, most of these companies, they grow over from year to year in part to acquisition. Or let's just say it's a restaurant chain. They're going to have more restaurants this year than last year, for the most part. So you just can't take, okay, they have more revenue this year than last year. So there, you got to understand the fundamental story of the company and the direction that's going in. I think that's critically important. And that's why earnings season is, is really good in terms of being a checklist, a quarterly checklist. And... It's interesting. In Europe, they do it twice a year. Mm. And I'll get to, to the behavior. This is part of the behavioral thing I'll get to in a second, but I don't want to skip. So let me stick with the t uh, fundamentals. Yes. <laughs> fundamentals are essentially what's going on factually with this company right now. Uh, that can be important to you. And the three main components there, uh, your income statements, your cash flow statements, and your balance sheet. Those give you a real good report card on the health and direction of the company. Technicals. Technicals are so intriguing. Because if you do it right, if you do, if you just simply follow technical analysis, you don't want to know what a company does. You don't care. You don't want to even be influenced by that. You simply want to see it's sort of a behavior of a stock or, or any underlying option. It could be the stock. It could be an overall market. It could be gold. Whatever it is, using charts and volume to determine where the, comp where the stock or, or underlying asset is going to go. I think it's an important component. It is uncanny, uncanny how good it is. Uh, you know, you'll see a stock break out, you know, going higher, breaking a resistance line and looking amazing and the volume's picking up. And then three days later, the company announces something that's amazing, but the market already knew it. It was often reflected in these charts. So charts, these patterns, they can sometimes tell you where there's supply and demand. For instance, let's say XYZ goes to $100 a share in January, comes all the way back down, and by December it goes back to $100 a share. That's a double top. It's probably going to sell down. Sell down. There's 80% chance it pulls back again because we know that the holders, when they get to that point, they start to sell. If it doesn't sell off, there's a whole new story. That's the breakout. Mm. So it's it's really intriguing in that way. It's I think it's important to understand, important to know. It's more relevant if you are a trader than a long-term buy and hold investor. Uh, so it's it's not only just knowing these things, but knowing where, when and how much to apply them. And then comes behavioral analysis, which is sort of the herd mentality. And it's interesting because on Wall Street, it's sort of a derogatory thing that dismisses or disses uh, retail investors. 
But I think the biggest herd mentality is the experts. Yeah. <laughs> they, they follow each other so much. Oh, my goodness. It's like, and then one strategist gets negative, and they're all negative yes to ne the next day, right? And and so here's the beauty about the behavioral analysis. There's two things. It, it means that things can get overbought because of this sort of um, this sort of um, uh, excitement. Everyone wants to get in, or they can be oversold because everyone wants to sell. So if I'm if I own something and it's broken out and it's really, I think in my mind, golly, this has gone too far. I know I can get that extra squeeze on the upside though because everyone's going to change their mind, and then I sell into that strength. Conversely, if I want to buy something and it's down, but I know it's really getting to a point where it's already oversold, but it's going to melt, let it start to melt down. That's when the behavior kicks in. Everyone panics, and that's Warren Buffett calls it blood in the street. He, and that's when he likes to buy, when everyone is that. That's the behavioral boiling point that he jumps in. So it's good to know that, understand that, because often people will guess, and we're always kind of guessing well, where's the top, where's the bottom. Uh, but it, it's it, there's this sort of element to it. And it's amazing to me, even those attributed mostly to retail investors, I see it with professionals all the time. And I'll give you one example, a historical example of why no one's immune from it. Sir Isaac Newton, there was this big thing, the Mississippi. There was an investment in Europeans and some, and they called it the Mississippi Company. Anyway, it got all kinds of hype, particularly in France. And it was going through the roof. And Sir Isaac Newton told everyone, you're nuts. Don't, don't buy it. I mean, you're going to lose all your money. It kept going up, Sir Isaac Newton. You guys are nuts. It kept going up. Sir Isaac Newton looked at it and said, Shh, maybe I should give it a shot. <laughs> Lost all of his money. No. The smartest man who ever walked the planet. But he knew. That's the thing, <laughs> he right? Knew, he knew, but then behavior. Yes. Behavior, the excitement superseded everything. And that's when you know. That when that happens. So it's good to kind of have a good understanding or feel for a behavioral analysis. Right. A good understanding of all three and a right. cool head, obviously not always easy to do, but things that you go through. And, and we're really touching on the individual investor. And I know working in financial news today, something that's really exciting is that you no longer have to, you know, of course, go through the brokerage is no longer just right. the suits on Wall Street. Anyone can do this. But also Anyone can give advice. You open TikTok, you open Instagram right, Reels, right. and people are just, it's uh, unlimited, unvetted financial advice. What is the power of the individual investor today, but also the danger of being able to listen to anyone with an opinion? Because you know what they say about opinions. Everyone has them. They're yeah. not all good. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, uh, you're absolutely right. And not all good, not always all good intentions either. Um you know, I, I think the power we've seen it, uh, particularly in, uh, starting in 2020, I call it the new investor revolution. Uh, a lot of people got involved in the market. And, you know, and I always tell people it wasn't just the market. It was sort of I want control of my own destiny, you know, being locked down and those sort of things. Uh, I mean, our country ran out of preservative jars. People wanted to know how to do everything, how to do it themselves just in case. And that included investing. And I applaud that. I wanted to keep going. Now, unfortunately, a lot of those folks have already gotten out of the market. In part because, you know, the get-rich-quick scheme kind of thing. Hey, this is easy. We had a lot of people be on social media. This is easy. They always, stocks always go up. Of course, they don't always go up. So the power is that these folks have a, a greater voice, um, the, but they also become a bigger target, for, 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 to your point. Um, and, there, and there's a lot of efforts to try to sway retail investors, uh, you know, one way or the other, to, to make them – they're, they're called the dumb money on Wall Street, which is so insulting. Mm. It's so, so insulting, so infuriating. 
And I, you know, it's my goal, it's my hope that my book and then my next book uh, that's coming up real soon will help them stay on this journey uh, because they're on the right path. You know, when I was younger and Forbes magazine started coming out with the richest, 400 richest people in America, I would say the first 10 years I knew every single name on the list by heart, by heart and how they make their money. And I could tell you one thing, the epiphany, they all had one thing in common, stock market. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting the point that you made, the insult of dumb money. Isn't that beneficial then for the establishment to shoot down this group that is, you know, finally getting into the market, making a difference in their life, working towards joining that, you know, 400 richest. It's uh, convenient to say that, but there is power in this. But one of the things about investing and the market that for a long time it was, you know, the suits down on Wall Street, buttoned up, men, white men, uh, and the investor is changing. I mean, even... Look, I'm sitting across from one of the greatest yeah. financial hosts on our network, <laughs> and you, your suits do not look like the Wall Street suits. <laughs> I've never seen you wear formal shoes. I only see you rocking the sneaks. Uh, I mean, best dressed man in the building as well, but not in the traditional right. Wall Street way. Right. Money's changing, right? Like, how are you helping helping to change and bring these people into the market? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up in the sense that it's for everyone, right? Um, when I was. Um, when I was younger and I told my mom, I'm just going to work on Wall Street. And, you know, we lived in Harlem at the time. My parents were divorced, separated and getting divorced. Um, I decided when I was about 13, 14, I'm going to work on Wall Street. And everyone said, there's no way. I, you know, you know, I tell friends or associates. And so one day I called up my father. I said, Daddy, I want to work on Wall Street. He said, man, I saw it on TV. Ain't no black people down there. You know, so, I mean, a massive, massive discouragement, massive discouragement. Um, and by the way, the system has been designed this way for everyone. Uh, they're not, they haven't discouraged you from investing in the stock market. They've discouraged us from investing in on our own. It's too intimidating. It's, you know, in other words, give me your money and I'll do it for you. And I'll take a nice yeah, portion yeah. of it. You know, what's amazing too is, uh, and, and we're in earnings season right now, so, Take a look at these big Wall Street firms and how much they make from their stock market investing, their trading desk. Up 20%, not enough stocks down. Like what they expect for themselves is like they want to make all, all kinds of massive gains. And they tell you, well, come on in, we'll make you a steady 5%, 8% a year. You know, but someone's making a lot more than that. And guess what? You know, I think someone wrote a book one time, said, you know, why does my broker have the yachts or, you know, something like that? You know, why, you know, why does the brokers all, why do brokers all have the yachts and the clients don't? Something to that effect. And so I'm, I'm just so thrilled. And, and again, this goes back, you got to give kudos to Charles Schwab and some others who actually made this possible and started making these fees a lot lower so that we can make these decisions ourselves. And that's what you're going to do in the book, help people figure out how to make those decisions for themselves. Unstoppable prosperity. So exciting to sit down with you, Charles. Thank you so much. This is not the last episode. Next, you're going to be talking to Taylor Riggs about what to invest in in the future. I know you're going to talk about your current strategy, maybe some Bitcoin. Hey, maybe even AI, since we mentioned that's the new <laughs> Absolutely. revolution. you got to talk AI, right? So much. Well, thank you so much again, Thanks, Charles. Madison. It was a pleasure to sit down with you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Charles Payne's Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this series and don't forget to rate and review. And keep listening so I can help put you on the path to unstoppable prosperity now. Now.